Hey everybody, welcome to the Family Jewels True Crime Podcast. This is Brian Sobolewski and I am your host. Welcome to episode 12, Uncomfortably Numb. And take it from somebody who has spent his entire life trying to be numb. Um, this, is a, this is a place that I have only experienced once before. And to be uncomfortably numb is, is to be in that place where you so badly want to feel. Like, when, when you get into a point in life, for me anyway, in, in all of my therapy and in all of my experiences, hey, emotions need to be processed. They need to be felt. They need to be processed. The brain needs to understand it or the brain will start to try to wreak havoc elsewhere in your life. Deep-rooted beliefs that are lies... Um, that don't serve you anymore, um, start to wreak havoc. And you create a central nervous system that is only ever fight or flight. And that is where I have run my entire life. And I'm pretty sure I've told the story of the first therapist that I went to after my mom died. But um, if I didn't, I'll glaze over it quick. Um, he was was one of the only guys that got up and he drew on this whiteboard and he says the, the the normal range of emotion for a person is this and it was just a you know little tiny peaks and circular valleys they all had an arc none of them had spikes but for the addict it was bing 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 and and for the adult child of an alcoholic that line runs straight and for most adult children of alcoholics, which is a total separate thing than being an addict just in and of yourself. So I, I can be addicted to something, but that that's not necessarily a familial disease. That's not something that spreads across the entire family. But the adult child of an alcoholic is, is a different bird. And, and that was every, everyone, me, Kev, and Jess. We were all adult children of an alcoholic, and uh, we could go deeper, and, and as much as I joke that dad was a sociopath, you know, jeez, I hate fucking saying shit post-mortem. It just sounds disrespectful and unfair, but, you know, the, the guy was not right. The guy was not regular. The guy did not follow the same rules as everybody else. So I think, you know... There are some trips into that, you know, like if you're going to trip over a line into any diagnosis, that fits my dad. But my mom, um, you know, was a raging alcoholic and she, we were left in her care and there was Bubji, mom's mother would, would tell us multiple times as teenagers and to me as an adult of the times that she had to pull us out of that house because it was unsafe. So Bupchi would take us and, you know, she would take us up to, um, I want to say Lake Winnipesaukee, but I might be wrong. It might've been Newfound Lake, which is why I have a spiritual connection to Newfound Lake and to, to you know, Northern New Hampshire in general, because I have 
a lot of memories of that place, either either as an escape away from what Bupchi thought was unsafe. And Bupchi would go as far as to tell us that she went in front of Judge Ruma, and Ruma was a, a circuit judge in Peabody District Court, and she brought us in front of him trying to get custody of us because my mother was going nuts. And that's all true. I, that's all like so fresh in my memory. And and that's where we did the game of uh, you're driving up and you drive under a bridge and everybody ducks because Bupchi would be like, oh, your head's going to get cut off. I think I, I think I might have told this in another episode, but I'm sorry if I didn't. You know, my head is, you know, my, my head is a bag of squirrels right now. And I am in this place that is um, unbelievably just numb. And I'm, I almost miss the rawness. I miss the raw emotion that, that so much of my life has been instances of. You know, I had a professor in, in college that says you, you mark yourself in the changes throughout your life. You can mark only by significant emotional events. Those are the only things that change a person um, deeply. Let's put it that way. So, I wish I wasn't numb. I want to feel it, man. I want to. I want to get. I want to get through it. And, and I want to get to the other side. But it's almost like I want to microwave the process. In a, I've been through. I don't know, probably six sessions at this point, therapy-wise, and I'm, I'm trying to dig deep, but there's this, there's a resistance. There's a resistance to, hey, th th this is an avalanche you're asking to unleash. But it's the, it's the only way through to the other side. And, and as familiar as, as, this tragedy is to other tragedies in my life. I don't think I ever really recovered from the past ones. You know, th did I feel the grief? Of course. Did I go through pain? Absolutely. Did I, do I feel the scars constantly? But have I ever been just okay with it? just okay with my mother's death and I gotta say for the most part Bob was instrumental in getting me to explore and process those feelings but we constantly butted into a wall and this is one of the things that I didn't mention in any part of season three other than the, me grabbing <laughs> Bob by the scruff of the neck after he asked me to explore any negative feelings that I had around my mother it was always a bone of contention in therapy. Bob was always like, you're not exploring the emotional part and how that adult child of an alcoholic, that therapist that I had to bring it all back to what I'm talking about. That first therapist after my mom died, got up and he drew on a white chalkboard and he said, that adult child of an alcoholic is numb. They walk into that 
pivotal place of, of uh, adolescence where your emotions are all over the place and they don't experience them that way. They just try to stay numb. And it is uh, likely that the adult child of the alcoholic will experiment with substances because, you know, if, if you've ever taken any type of course on, on um, addiction or even substance abuse or even substances in general, you know, we classify them as depressants and we, we classify them as stimulants. And, you know, these are all normal emotions to go into a social situation and be, uh, you know, coveted and loved uh, stimulates that brain and, and creates neural connections that make that person, um, it, you know, walk into other experiences the same way. And, you know, when you get kicked you walk into social situations and say, hey, is there anyone here that's going to kick me? And, and the brain tends to wire in, in that direction in terms of what the central nervous system will do in, 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 um, in times of chaos. So we're nine minutes into this podcast and I have rambled like an idiot. I don't know if any of that made sense. Other than to, to get back to today's topic, just numb, and I will pile intellect on top of intellect, on top of intellect. I will read book after book after book. I will explore the human psyche, but the one thing that I will constantly ignore and keep at arm's length and say, please, do, I'll let you in a little bit, is that emotional component that limbic system, that part of the brain where emotion exists that nobody understands how it's tied to any other thing. But, and, and you know, you're talking to somebody who's, who spends their life outside of this podcast, you know, in my, in my professional life, trying to connect brain and body. Why? Because I know how powerful that brain body connection is. And I believe you can tie any disease or any discomfort or any dysfunction between, you know, in the body to something in the mind and vice versa. And I, I, sometimes I feel like a snake oil salesman, but um, at the same time, I don't know. Am I kidding myself? I don't know what to do next, folks. I really don't. Um, um, I want to move forward. But it is just so hard to ignore, you know, three giant elephants in the room. And I got to reconcile how I feel about everything. I got to reconcile how I feel about how I feel. I got to reconcile how I feel about just life. It's tough. This is a tough place to be. I, I never there there and, and it's such a uh, there are two there are two places that I exist now. There is a level of security that has been provided by this whole fucking mess that I would love to enjoy. You know, I, I, inheriting my brother's car is something that um, I, I, 
Jesus Christ, and never in a million years did I think I, I could sit in a car like that and actually try to... But I posted a video called Dub Dub Therapy, where, um, I don't know, man. This was Kevin's attempt at living. This was Kevin's attempt at joy. And I fucking get it. When you sit in a Mustang GT350 and you start that thing up and you hear dub, 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 you, you just get happy. You smile. Let's go on YouTube and look up, look up that car and look up any review of it. And whatever car that's out there that is above it, the review will say, you know, I'd rather drive this. And God damn you, Kev. Like, if you could just have taken that passion and shared it and just fucking shared it. like the world lost a genius and you should all be mourning is that that too much because at the same time you know he was impossible so I don't know how to mourn ladies and gentlemen I don't know how to do it uh, it's just happening to me and it's making me nuts it's making me nuts so what do I do I drive around, I try, I, I try to, you know, I try to take every minute as a gift at this point, I'm trying to have gratitude, I'm trying to enjoy and savor, I'm trying to breathe, and I just want to retap into that pain so I can let it out, and uh, it, it's a difficulty, so... That is why I called this episode Uncomfortably Numb, because that is where I'm at. And, uh, you know, I, <laughs> I've probably said too much. But here we are. Another short episode. I'm not going to continue on. I hope, uh, I hope you guys are okay. Please, uh, if you take anything from this podcast ever, it's to pull off your headphones. It's to shut off whatever it is that you're you're using to listen to me and move reach get out into the world and find a purpose because otherwise it it's just gonna end and uh, forget what's saved and just do today that's my message guys thank you so much for listening Bye-bye. <laughs> All right, you guys ready for a headliner? <laughs> this man needs no introduction, but I'll give him one anyway. He's a great guy. Brian Cebulski! <laughs> yeah. Does everybody else feel like when they rented this, when they rented this theater two years ago, the keyboard came with it? <laughs> <laughs> and they're like, what the fuck are we gonna do with this keyboard? <laughs> Thank you guys so much for sticking it out. You guys having fun? Yeah! <laughs> what's the deal over here? I don't know what's happening over here. Uh, I, I grew up in Massachusetts, like you. Oh, you piece of shit. Okay. Um, <laughs> You can tell he grew up in Massachusetts because when he decided to go out tonight, he just he chose flip flops <laughs> instead of bare feet. Um, so, what what part of Massachusetts? Uh, you, you shouldn't have to think about it. You <laughs> where? Braintree. Braintree. 
Okay, I have no joke for that. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck you. Okay, fine, wait, wait. <laughs> are you guys are you guys together? Oh god, that's why you're not touching. All right, I got it. I got it. Here's what's hilarious. Um, will you hold up your ring? And will you hold up yours? His looks like a recycled tire. <laughs> See, like, 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 like she's like, hey, is that piece of coal done being pressurized? And he's like, hey, can I have just a tire around my beard? But congratulations, you guys are awesome. Uh, give it up for those guys. Ooh. He's from Braintree, and where are you from? Hell? <laughs> Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh. Oh, I don't know how that happened. I just don't know. Um, guys, just to give you a little bit of information about me, um, I just went to the dentist the other day. Anyone been to this practice lately? Sorry, I'm, I'm Polish and Russian. Uh, we believe in brushing between wars. Let me to do that. But um, it, 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 I'm sorry, I'm not the best at my oral health. But I went to the dentist, and wow, has it changed? Have you guys seen this fucking thing? Like, I used to go to the dentist, and it was just some dude standing in the corner being like, yeah, you suck at brushing. <laughs> but now you go to the dentist, man, I swear to God, and they're like, you see that right there? That's the Skittle you ate in 1983. <laughs> yeah. That's gonna cost you five grand. Dude, I ate a lot of Skittles when I was a kid. <laughs> Woo! So, I don't understand thrill seekers, man. Like, I, I am so afraid of heights, and I want to conquer my fears as a human being. I'm so afraid of heights that somebody suggested, well, just go skydiving. I'm like, okay, well, you know, I don't really feel like I want to jump out of, our, jump out of a perfectly good plane. And, and she was like, well, hey, no, you can go tandem. Like, somebody will strap themselves to you, and they'll jump, and they'll pull the cord, and they'll do everything. All you have to do is scream. <laughs> Here's my problem with that. Like, before he pulls that cord, my fear is that he would start wildly dry-humping me <laughs> in the middle of a jump. And I can't do a fucking thing about it until we get to the ground. See, you laughed your ass off at that, because she has been wildly dry-humped. <laughs> <laughs> Let me see if I can explain the oil crisis to you guys. A lot of people don't understand global warming, but oil is the Earth's lube. And the more you drive your car, the more it's like you're dry fucking the Earth. Yeah. What happens when you, get, when you dry fuck too much? The Earth just pops you right off of it. That's what happens. All right, I'm gonna work on that joke. I'll tell you next week. <laughs> Um, are there any ex-convicts here? <laughs> what? What? <laughs> He's from Massachusetts. He knows ten ex-convicts. <laughs> no, there's a nicer way to ask that question. Um, are there any personal trainers here? <laughs> <laughs> no, nobody does personal training. <laughs> Seriously, if you've ever had a personal trainer in your life, I guarantee he was an ex-con or knows several. Um, because it's one of the only jobs you can do once you're an ex-con. Here's the admission. I am an ex-convict. I did a little prison time. Uh, I, I fucking love stealing. <laughs> Ever since I came out of the womb, I have loved taking shit that wasn't mine. <laughs> love it. My dad was a salesman his whole life. He busted his ass for a little bit of profit. He says, brah, you seem like you could be good at sales. You know, if you have a great product and you know what to say, you can make up to 40% profit. 
And I'm like, yeah, well, if I take that shit when they're not looking, that's a hundred percent problem. <laughs> What's up? But I think my dad raised my brother and I to be criminals because uh, I knew my Miranda rights before I knew any nursery rhymes. <laughs> my dad actually tried to work it into the nursery rhymes. He was like, you know, Jack and Jill went up the hill, both without representation. <laughs> so when they asked me to pledge allegiance in school, I was like, hey, I ain't pledging shit until my lawyer gets in. Not doing Liberty and justice for all is bullshit. So the first thing my brother and I ever stole for my dad and with my dad, it was like a family thing. You probably wouldn't have even noticed the first thing we stole. It was a house. <laughs> More appropriately, it was two-thirds of a house. Let me explain. When my dad divorced my mom, he couldn't afford to get another new house. So instead, he bought a piece of land, and he had the foundation board. And then he capped it. And we lived inside the foundation on weekends with him. And at night, we would drive around the construction sites and steal the rest of what we needed to build the house. <laughs> Seriously, guys, my family is the reason for same-day delivery and install. Because <laughs> if you didn't install that shit the same day it was delivered, we installed that shit in my house. <laughs> uh, I'm just going to leave you with this and um, give it up for everybody that came up tonight. Get, get just such a great show. The one thing I learned about myself in prison that was tough, it was tough for me to take, when it turns out, I'm not a tough. That's my say, guys! <laughs>